There's a special guest join on this episode. We talk about listener emails on disaster recovery, building a disaster recovery site, and BDI. This is K12 Tech Talk. K12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K12 Techs for K12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is K12 Tech Talk, episode 62. We have uh, myself, Josh, obviously. I have Chris to my right, and we have guest Julian to my left. We'll talk to Julian and introduce him in a little bit more in a minute. Uh, But first, somethingcool.com, we'd like to say thank you to Jeremy for again uh, staffing or stocking up the green room today. It's another snow day in Missouri. Uh, Chris and, and Julian just got to hear the snowplow go down the street. We gave uh, Dr. Heck? Pepper cherry zero sugars. Ooh, I can't do zero sugar soda, so I am drinking bourbon. Um, thank Jeremy. Thank you. Thank you for the. For I made a nice Manhattan with the bourbon that you left me, Jeremy. Um, he knows we're different. Yeah, we are. We are very different people. Um, so yeah, another snow day here in Missouri. Uh, Julie and I were talking pre-show before Chris showed up because he's always late. I just um, woke up, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's seven thirty at night and Chris just woke up. Uh, so we had an AMI day today because we front loaded our first four snow days as real snow days where the kids didn't have to do anything. Um, and we had enough sleet and stuff that, uh, our superintendent said we could work from home today. Do you guys ever... Hello. Chris, you did you go in today, Chris? No, no. Did you? you I, did. I did a Zoom meeting this morning. The whole department. We were on a Zoom call talking phone systems. Nice, Julian. We'll we'll get more information from you. But did you go in today? Nope. I worked from home the same as you. It's AMI day today, our first one. So that was. Oh, really? Okay. Interesting. Getting everybody on the same page and everybody switching to working at home. You know? Yeah, and and I'm sure your, your boss listens to this show, so we will we will definitely make sure that he understands that you were working very hard from home, Julian. Right? You weren't, you know. There I were can no, still see the sweat on his brow. Yeah, there were no snack breaks. There, he worked through lunch. Um, Jason, if you're listening, Julian is a very dedicated work from home person, so maybe he get maybe he should do that more often. <laughs> um, <laughs> are you guys, did anybody, we've, we've already called off, we've already called an AMI day again for tomorrow. Um, I think our, my boss, our superintendent wants us to come in no earlier than 10 o'clock. He said, nice. tomorrow. so, um, are you guys, have you guys called off already? Chris, I assume you guys are off cause you're in yeah, the sticks. We're off. We don't do AMI days. We just do legit snow days. Like we're off. So you're adding to your calendar then, right? We do, we, nor do we add to our calendar. We do the... You know, just the time, the minute stuff. Oh, so you build enough time in throughout the year that you don't have to add. Yeah, we have some longer school days, but that gotcha. means that we don't have to make up days. Now, I mean, that said, I know of other schools, and not to knock on my own school, but that they do what we do, but they still do AMI days because it's it's good for for education. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they still do that, but we don't do that. We just do snow days. I don't. I don't know that you'd have a lot of it of educators agree that AMI days are good for education. Right. And maybe um, maybe we are more on the let's be real here. Yeah. Julian, are you guys going in tomorrow? Uh, no word yet as of now. So oh. still waiting for here. Maybe we'll get that during the show. That's right. Uh, 
Um, so, Julian, let's let's get some details from you real quick. You are uh, at a school district in Missouri, in, in one of the major metropolitan areas of Missouri. Um, how how many kids? How many uh, how many students do you guys have? Yeah, there's about seventeen thousand five hundred students right now. Holy cow! Just slightly bigger than than Chris and I. So, how many people are in your IT department then? Just a little bit over 40. I think we had 42. Holy cow. Wow. So, okay. So what's your role at your district then? So my official title is DevOps Manager. Okay. Um, what is a fancy way for basically data center operations, what I would like to call it. Okay. So anything that basically touches our data center, um, I'm in charge of. Okay. So cool. is it is it just you? Or do you have a team? I do have a team. I have two other people below me. Okay. So, interesting. So, how big, like, give me an idea of, like, your, your networking team. How, how big is that? So, that's, like, that's under me. So, really, it's oh, just, okay. like, like, networking. So, basically, anything that somehow connects the data center. So, wireless networking um you know switches closets ups's uh server storage backups all that stuff fiber networks all that falls under me oh wow okay so that's quite a bit really i mean your 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 boss is working you pretty hard jason i mean geez so a lot of those other to to get to that 40 plus number are those a lot of technicians and building technicians those kind of folks or how's the department broken up then yeah, there's um, so there's uh, twenty techs for the schools. Um, then there's five or six people for them. Is that the plow truck again? That's the snowplow again. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm I'm really sitting on my front porch during this episode. <laughs> Go um, ahead, Julian. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so then there's five, uh, so six, seven people on the help desk between regular help desk, and then um, infinite campus help desk, and then uh, phone cool. system, and then the rest is all managers. Awesome. So that's a pretty good, sizable team, um, and 17,000 kids, man. So how many how many buildings are there, Julian? Uh, there's 33 buildings total. Wow. Off the top of your head, do you know square miles? So, somebody else we had on knew how many square miles they had. And I don't I don't know what's big. I don't know what's small. No, I, I can tell you there's 90 You're miles. Play, wait, hold on. We're, we're, Julian, there's going to be a series of questions. You're playing for a T-shirt tonight. So think about this before you answer it. <laughs> <laughs> don't just give us some... Baloney answer. If you don't know it, because we think will, about it. I'm I'm gonna call your boss and find out what the real answer uh, is. I was gonna tell you in fiber, like because that's more. Oh, okay, I, okay, okay. Uh, okay. So there's 90 miles of private fiber between the schools. So. Holy cow! That's a good answer too. And and really, I mean, Chris and I know where where you're from. Thinking about your your geographic span, I mean, you, it's not a huge geographic space. But ninety miles of fiber, holy cow! All that, air, most of the aerial too. So. Oh, really? So hung from poles. Okay, so the so days that, like this do make you sweat. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say. Yeah, you know, a, a dump truck goes by with its bed up, you know, or freezing rain like we're having today. 
how often are you guys calling in external resources like that to come in and patch or you know few to splice together stuff snowplow hang on wait for it <laughs> all right sorry go ahead julian are you are you paying for extra plows hey house so- they they know who i am julian my my route That's my road awesome. is, my road is clear julian so <laughs> so back to the question how often are you having splices done i mean usually we have like I think high like two fiber breaks a year, um, but we've my team and I have been really focusing over the last year, like getting ahead of repairs. So you know, doing an audit, driving around, and identifying areas that are problems. And so we've been kind of doing repairs ahead of time, and that's really been working out for us to kind of identify the areas where it's hanging off or some trees. Like we yeah. had one where it was bent down and a tree was just laying on top of it. Wow. I don't know if I've shared this before. I feel like I probably have with as many episodes as we've done. But at my previous school district, uh, the year I came in, uh, USAC had gone back and funded a bunch of previous uh, E-rate years. And we got all this money and we were like, oh, sweet. What do we get? What do we go for? And it, again, it was before I worked there. So I had no idea. And we're from, I, I remember going through all the papers and figuring out and the district went for the, that they would run their own fiber. Uh, and this was a small school, a thousand kids. So it was like a half a mile from one building to another and then a mile and a half to another. I had to do the whole deal. Like we're working with the local electric company. It's our fiber, but we're leasing, you know, their hooks or whatever. Centimeters, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, but every winter and stuff, man, just my little two miles of fiber, I would drive and like, look and pay attention it just freaked me out yeah that that's crazy our so we have private fiber too but my campus is literally i i think from our furthest points on our campus is maybe three football fields our our four our four buildings are within that distance so all of the private fiber that we own is actually directional board and that that presents a whole other issue with you know, contractors coming in and digging for con- for construction projects or whatever and using their backhoe as a cable finder, um, which has happened several times. Um, but it, it's interesting, you know, I, to me, in my head, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think that, that that buried solution is a more secure, stable solution than, than hanging in the air. Maybe, I, I don't know, what what do you guys think? Are you, are you more of a target for issues if you're hanging in the air versus being in the ground? I assume you are. I don't know. We've been having that conversation too. And it, I think it's one of the, like, it, you know, if, like you said, with the digging and stuff like that, depending on where, you know, especially in the city where they dig for all kinds of stuff. Right. So you know, parking lots. We, we had last summer some contractor, you know, took a build bulldozer through the parking lot and snapped the fiber in half, you know, so. Yeah. I think it's one does know the other, honestly. Yeah, and it and I know directional boring is super expensive. It is not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and when we were looking at redoing our private fiber, one of the companies that we had to come out look at it or give us a quote was was Provision Data Solutions. Um, so you know we talk about provision on here quite a bit about about reselling server stuff and doing support here in Missouri. But they, they do the gamut. You know, the, they're willing to come out and give a quote on fiber. Chris, didn't you just get a, a quote from them for some private fiber stuff? You're you're muted, Chris. <laughs> I sure did. 
So yeah, they, provision. They did a they did a great job with the walkthrough and the pricing looks fine. So yeah, it you know provision provisions one of those companies. Not only are they fantastic support people, Derek and Jeff and and their sales folks Ryan and Andrew, um, but but they do you know the whole gamut. They're they're from a start to finish type uh, company. So if you're in Missouri area, and I think that pretty well goes for anywhere in Missouri. Uh, feel free to give Ryan a call. Ryan R at provision or an email. You wouldn't call this. It's an email address. You can't call an Idiot. email address. Um, Ryan R at provisionds.com. Um, and tell him you want to talk to Andrew because Andrew's a great salesman. Um, so, Chris, we have some listener emails, right? We do. The first one's not a question. It's just for fun. I'm going to change the name. We're going to say listener Bob. Okay. Uh, it was a short little sentence here. It just says, glad Corey is gone. Oh, my. Wow. <laughs> so, so there's that. Wow. Um, moving on, though. Another listener, listener D, uh, says just hired three new techs, uh, and he wanted to pick our brains on how we provide training. Uh, with new folks, uh, how how would we approach a new tech or several new technicians? Wow. So that's a good question. I think that's a good, this is a good episode for this because I think Julian will probably have a more regimented answer than what I will have. And I, I think, Chris, you're probably in the same boat as I am. Um, I, I'm not a big enough school district to have a regimented training system for a technician when they're hired. More or less, if I if I interview you and this is how it's gone, thankfully I haven't had to hire anyone in the last three or four years. Um, but if I hire you, I expect you to, you know, you've made it through the process. I've deemed that you know what you're doing. So the first couple weeks, you're going to be shadowing me or, my, or one of the other guys and going around learning the lay of the land, how to get around the buildings, meeting people. But it's going to be trial by fire. You know, I, we're going to throw you into situations, you know, I expect you to be a technician that knows how to troubleshoot, that kind of stuff. Um, the higher level stuff, I, I still maintain, or my other guy would still maintain, but that generic support stuff, I, I would expect a, a technician to know that. Now, meeting people and, like I said, getting the lay of the buildings, that's, right. that's a complete, completely different thing. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, similar, and I... With, with the text that I have, we've, we've had conversation about, I want you to ask me questions. Uh, I want you to feel like you can talk to me about, you know, if you can't fix a problem quickly or what troubleshooting you, you know, steps you've done and that, that, that you haven't gotten it fixed yet. Uh, but bigger than that, I, I don't want you to ask me questions just the same. I want you just to go and figure it out and, and do the deal uh, and get all that experience as opposed to, hey, just Chris know how to fix this quicker than I do. I want you to go through, you know, if it takes you five, 10 steps. And if we had had a sidebar conversation, maybe it would have not taken as many. Uh, we can do that. Uh, but I just want you to go out into the field and, and just do it and learn it so that that's in, you know, so that that's in your toolbox of stuff that's in your skills. Right. No, I uh, agree. We, we, we have a uh, building technician just at one of our buildings uh, that does mostly Chromebook repair and, uh, and that's kind of been a that position has the person in that position has changed. That tends to be an entry level uh, spot or historically it has been. Uh, so in that spot, I have a lot of stuff documented um, and that room is set up in such a way and, and we kind of train it and preach it that 
everybody's replaceable and there needs to be everything documented and situated and organized and ducks in a row that anyone could walk into that room. If it's me, sure. If it's, if it's network admin, if it's if it's our main technician, if it's the building tech, uh, we're going to refer to the same Google Docs. We're going to use the same spreadsheets. That room's going to be organized in a particular way, uh, so that the training that they get, they can go to that google folder that we have that we've shared out and really just read everything and they can figure out what job they're supposed to be doing but well, yeah I'm, I'm 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 like you like just go out get and get experience and and to that on the converse of that if if you had a guy out um and you wanted to pull in one of your senior student help desk people that you know they've been with you for four years you know they know what they're doing they're a good kid they're you know they know their chops they could step into that that lower level role, especially if there's documentation there, and and hit the ground running. You know, so that that documentation is a huge piece. And unfortunately, in IT, I don't know about you, Julian, but I'll be the first to admit that my documentation isn't the best. Um, so, Julian, what do you guys do for onboarding new people? I imagine with forty people, you might see a little bit more turnover and have a a little bit higher need for official type training what do you got uh, yeah we do see a lot of turnover uh, lately it's been pretty steady but right before that we always joke with uh with our manager who's over at those uh, building uh support level that you know he hires somebody new and then somebody else leaves so he's constantly higher process but um yeah like it's i think it's a little bit combination of what both of you do um you know we have a centralized documentation um library basically where they can search for stuff um but when they first start because they isolated all of them are isolated to a building uh we actually have somebody who is a higher level within that group who travels around and starts with a new person uh for the first week or so and then kind of provides guidance and they can reach out to them kind of like a mentor that, sure. you know working together yeah like um, a shadow type role yeah yeah. So, okay. So you bring up documentation in, in a searchable library. Um, can you share what that searchable library is? It's actually just a Google site that our, oh, okay. that our help desk keeps updated. So if we like, you know, we come up with new instructions for something on the back end, uh, we'll give it to our help desk and they, you know, add it to that site. Oh, kinda... cool. That's actually a really easy way to do that. And really, you could do something similar with like a, a Google Doc, you know, an indexed Google Doc somehow too. I, I really like that. Yeah. All right, Chris, what's the next email? Yeah, so another listener email from Ryan in Michigan. And Josh, I don't know if you talked about this on the pod or if it was just you and I talking, but you talked about Michigan having some good cybersecurity stuff. And then this is either he heard that and, and emailed it or that's just pure coincidence uh, but I'm going to read some of what he said. He said, here in, Mis here in Michigan, uh, we have been actively working on cybersecurity and our cyber incident response plans. Our state has formed a group with local government and K-12 called Cyber Partners. I'm going to put up a link uh, to that, too. Uh, the goal of that is to find ways to inform and guide us in ways to help better protect our districts. Uh, they have an incident response plan template on their site. Uh that is very helpful as well. Uh, and then he said, and we can unpack this a little bit, we've talked about it, along those same lines, I'm not sure what cyber 
what, what cyber insurance is doing in other states, but in Michigan, they're requiring us this year to meet certain requirements before they will insure us. Uh, these requirements include MFA on staff email and VPN connections, quarterly phishing campaigns, and incident response plans. Interesting. Um, so I think it is pure coincidence that he sent that to us because I I don't remember mentioning it on the podcast. Um, I can't remember either. But yeah, there that that template. I was telling Julian before the show. I went to the Mornet session in Columbia on Monday of this week for their incident response incident response planning session, and I thought this document from Michigan, and, and we'll link this in the show notes or the description of the show as well. Um, their template, granted, it, it has the state of Michigan all over it, but you can edit some of that stuff out. Um, it is a very good template and kind of lays out, you know, who who your team, team members are, what type of event you're having, how critical is the event. Um, it has a role for communications person, and it has some examples at the end. Uh, it is a very, very good document. So I, I if you're listening to this, um, and you don't have an established or, or an adopted incident response plan, I urge you to go back and look at the description of this episode and click that link. Um, it's a free uh, Word document, and it has a PowerPoint along with it to where if you were giving a presentation to like your board or committee, you could kind of walk through the document and what, what it really means and what, it, what it's meant to accomplish. Um, it's, I was, I was very impressed and actually my goal today was to kind of step through that document and edit that document to fit my needs. Um, but I got sucked into a Netflix show, so, uh, that didn't happen today. (laughs) Um, so no, that, that's a really good document. And, and to the listener's point about the insurance companies, um, I think we've all been hearing that recently. I, I know it's a trend, um, there, from what I understand, there's a conference coming up in Missouri in a couple weeks for Missouri school board or Missouri school administrators. And the rumor is that there might be some of those requirements coming out during that event. Um, so MFA for email is a big one. MFA for elevated accounts is a big one. Uh, requiring an incident response plan or a disaster response plan, I think, is another one. Uh, Chris, what are you hearing, or what are your thoughts on that that idea of requiring certain things? I just and I I I know I think we've talked about it. Like I wish Missouri's I I wish music the the Missouri insurance company that most schools are using or all schools are using, however that plays out. I wish they made it a requirement, like. Yeah. Whether it's the district saves some money, uh, you know, that you can get this. But if you have two factor and all these things, you know, your district saves money, whatever, uh, because I think it's the tech guys. We're all raising our hand that we need to get more secure. But until there's like some punch to it and some money to it, uh, it some of us are only going to get so far. Right. You know, uh, it, I, I, and, and I was going to say to the in, instant response plan stuff, I also love that it looks as though like Michigan state right. uh, is doing some initiatives with K-12 uh, that I don't think Missouri in our case no. is doing, or if they are doing it, it's not been communicated. Right. To us. So. I, I, I think it, if the big insurance carriers, music, um, I was at a con- that conference Monday and one of the school districts said they use travelers for their cyber insurance. I think if these big cyber companies or cyber insurance companies would come out and say 
you have to do X, Y, Z, it would make that conversation that, that we are having, me, me, Chris, Julian, and Julian's boss or whoever are having with their senior leadership at the central office or the board, it takes away some of that, oh, this this guy's just chicken littling this. You know, this you know, he always complains about cyber, he's always going down that rabbit hole of cyber, he's blowing it way out of proportion. It's not really that real of a threat. We don't really need to do this. But if you have your insurance company coming to you and saying, hey, if you don't do MFA on your email or you don't do um, next-gen antivirus, we're not going to cover you. It It's completely right. different when an external organization says something like that. It has completely different teeth um, than, than us nerds complaining about it and screaming about it um, because, you know... I'll be the first to admit I'll 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 overhype things or or harp on things for too much, and then it kind of gets ignored. Um, but when your insurance company says it, I think it, it carries a little bit different weight. Uh, Julian, do you have any thoughts on that? No, I mean I hundred percent agree. You know, we we're the ones hearing everything that's going on, especially like in Missouri lately about all the school districts over the summer fall time frame, all this going on, and you're like just like praying, like okay hopefully this doesn't happen to us and so right. it doesn't happen we need to do these x y and z things right but then trying to sell that is a whole different story right sure because we hear all the horror stories and that's the stuff we don't want to deal with um but it, it would help too just for us to get some guidance on what should be done first and kind of like get some buy-in on that um but yeah that buy-in would come a heck of a lot easier if the insurance company said it rather than chicken little saying, you know, and, and not, not in a negative way. We, we know it's a legitimate concern. Um, but I think that it departments can kind of be viewed as chicken little at times because we're worried about so many other things or so many things that, that are potential hazards that may not happen and probably won't happen, but we have to plan for that. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we have to have a plan ready for mitigating that risk. Uh, Julian, out of curiosity, are you guys MFAing anything? We're currently in the process of rolling out MFA for Windows devices. So we're rolling it out to our department right now. And then our finance director actually wants it out for his group because he's actually asking for it. Good. So I'm, so I'm pretty excited about that because especially when it comes from the their director, he's going to have to buy it from his yep. people because they can deal with it then. Yep. Um, so, nice. but. Yeah, that's awesome that you have a director asking for it. You know, that's one of those things. Yeah, I'll happily spend those dollars on that on that initiative. Um, Chris, do you want to talk about Pondurance real quick? Our sponsor, our current uh, keynote sponsor here. I most certainly do. Uh, so Pondurance, a proud sponsor of the K12 Tech Talk podcast. Uh, I'm going to post a link. Uh, I mentioned uh, Joplin School District. Um, before, and I wasn't sure if it was them or not, but it is them. They've used Pondurance. Uh, there's actually a case study on the Pondurance website. Um, Joplin educates over 7,000 students. Uh, this case study talked about how they didn't have like a, which, which we talked about, we don't have like cybersecurity folks on our tech department staff. Right. Uh, so they use the Pondurance Managed Detection and Response, MDR. Uh, so Pondurance can come, they can 
you know, check on your endpoints, do logging of your network, uh, all that kind of good stuff, network sensors, uh, and they become that person uh, for you. So in the case of Joplin, it looked like they used HP Aruba stuff, VMware stuff, Microsoft products. Uh, they had all kinds of smart TVs and Chromebooks, all that, you know, typical school stuff. Yeah, right. So Pondurance was, was able to come in, uh, says there's uh, 7,000 students, 1,000 staff devices, 20 servers. So Pondurance solution comes in and they help monitor all that stuff. Uh, again, this is a case study. So for Joplin, Joplin has some quotes on this thing. Um, but again, going back, we all would love to employ legit, hey, security guy, this is your job. Right. Stare, stare at the logs. Yeah. Um, and maybe it makes a whole lot of sense to instead of doing that, have some have, have, have a company like Pondurance come in. Well, and, and to that point, you know, I don't, I don't know what Pondurance charges for that, but to go out and hire a security expert that knows what they're doing when looking at logs or looking at a, net, a seam log server, you're going to spend 60 grand, 70 grand or more. I assume now don't, don't, don't hold me at my feet to the fire on this one, but I assume signing a contract with Pondurance is going to be dramatically cheaper than that, you know, cause you're leveraging, you know, they are going to fulfill that full-time role for you. You're not, you're not hiring someone. So, um, well, I, go ahead. I, I, no, one thing that I was going to add to that, sorry, if, if no, you're fine there, but, um, you know, is the whole, you know, I, I'm guessing they're doing the 24 hour thing. Sure. Like, yes. You know, we have, we've talked about before too. Sure. When we hire somebody, does not make sense? But really, you know, right now it's like, okay, that person still works a seven to, you know, three thirty job. It's right. the, like right. what scares us is, you know, what happens at two o'clock in the morning, right? That's the big conversation that yep. we're always having is because that's when I'm not waking up for an email. Right. So, right. Right. This, this thing says that part of what they did was they went with Sentinel One. Oh yeah. And then Sentinel One has that uh stuff that will tap into the sock with Pondurance. Sure. So Pondurance is monitoring that 24 seven. So, I mean, yeah, it sounds, sounds good. No. And, and to Julian's point, I, I worked at a hospital for 10 years or better and 20 talk about a 24 seven environment. You know, I, I would get, we rotated call once every four weeks or whatever you were on call for a week I could guarantee during that week I would get several phone calls at two, three in the morning about different issues, normally printer issues, and that's where my love for printers came from. Um, but but you're right, Julian, that that twenty four seven eyes on type role. I don't know a K twelve environment that has that um, because so many of uh, I would say all of these roles are daytime type roles. I don't know of a single K-12 that has a 24-7 sock or, you know, anything like that. So um, that Pondurance's role there definitely fills a huge gap in, in the K-12 environment. I think uh, there's definitely been a shift. I mean, for sure there has, not even I, I, I think. But when I first got into K-12, you know, when the internet would go down during the day, it was impactful, but it was like fine. And then, you know, slowly over time, okay, we need technology to work all the time. You know, there right. was no expectation of 24 seven stuff. Right. 
Right. There wasn't even at, at the be- beginnings of technology, really, in schools, there wasn't even a during the day expectation. Right. Uh, it, it was just seen as an extra. Well, now it's going to be a big deal if something bad happens overnight. Uh, and then in the morning, you know, the transportation department can't mo- monitor the buses as well. Uh, the secretaries can't get into SIS as well, all that kind of stuff. It's a much bigger deal now. The landscape has changed for sure. I will agree with you, but I would still say coming from a 24-7 environment at a hospital and then I was in higher ed for a short amount of time, that those two environments as a, as a 24-7 environment are completely different than, than K-12. Yes, if, sis, if your sand goes down at 10 o'clock at night and SIS is down and you know the next morning things are slow to come back up, yes, that, that's impactful. But you talk about an internet outage at a higher ed, at a university level, at two in the morning when all the kids are on streaming, you know, Netflix or Hulu. That is at two o'clock in the morning, the most impactful thing that will happen that day Um, because they're tweeting about it. They're on social media about it. The president of the university is hearing about it. Um, it, it's still the, those twenty four seven environments are completely different than than the K twelve world that the three of us live in right now. I was gonna say I always think and know I'm blessed. Like if a server is down, my district's not losing X amount of dollars by the minute. You know, right? I I, I did choose a, prove- a profession where that's not like the thing on my back. Right. No. Yeah. No. You're you're exactly right. Um. So let, let's let Julian have the mic here for a little bit. Julian, tell us some of the, the cool things that you're doing. I know you have a really cool VDI install from, I think, Dell, right? You're, you're running on Dell hardware. Um, and I am super jealous of your VDI install because I think that could, that could solve some of the issues that I'm having. But give us, tell, us, tell us about your VDI and then what other, what other big projects or cool projects you have going on. Um, so, yeah, like, Two years ago, um, we were looking at a refresh of, you know, our tech out of business environment, kind of these high-end machines, you know, that we all have for PLDW and all that stuff. And um, at that time, they were kind of looking at like a classroom redesign, you know, looking at how they can they create these, you know, pods and, you know, kind of collaboration classrooms. Um, so we came back and said, you know, we're just buying these high-end costly machines. We can put in um, a VDI solution and really, you know, kind of create that classroom, ex- better classroom experience, but also create that access, that 24-7 access to not only this lab, you know, kind of anytime, anywhere kind of scenario. Um, so we went down this route and then COVID happened right afterwards and it kind of became a invaluable um uh, technology to have at that point because you know there was i think in the beginning there wasn't a lot of buying like the teachers didn't understand why you know but um those complaints stopped when COVID hit because those teachers were able to teach the same way they did in the classroom from at home accessing all the software so that really kind of changed um kind of perspective on it so when you when you say software, you're talking like Adobe Suite, CAD, stuff like that, right? Yeah, all this high end, full Adobe Suite, all of CAD, AutoCAD, and all that stuff. So give us some specs on that that VDI setup. You know, processor, memory. You've a got lot. Some, 
Yeah, you've yeah. got some you've got some pretty killer uh, graphics cards in them too. Give it give us an idea of what you're running in those things. Uh, I don't even know how much uh, CPU and RAM <laughs> is in those. Honestly, they they're a little bit overbuilt because you know and I've done presentations on this before. It's it's all about the graphic cards at that point because they really mandate what you can do. You know, I can run you know probably twice as many VDIs on one host that I have. But the VDI, uh, the graphic card limits that because right. you can only assign so much stuff to that graphic card. Um, but overall, we can support like 800 VDIs in a concurrent session. So I can, Jeez. So I connect 800 kids and, um, and they all have a one gig graphic card. That's really more. That's the know, spec. Obviously. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, yeah. It's not really about the, you know, the RAM and CPU thing. It's um, the video card. Yeah. It's the video card. Yeah. That that whole licensing with NVIDIA is kind of a nightmare. But once we had that figured out, it's it's been going pretty good. So ballpark. What what so eight hundred concurrent VDIs with, with one gig um, graphics cards in them, ballpark. What did you I I'm gonna guess two hundred grand. We're, we're not even in the same <laughs> like <laughs> like we're not even in the same ballpark. Yeah, I, I I was being facetious there. What so ballpark? What what did you guys? What was the total? You know, and you don't have to get down to the dollar. Just give me an idea of what what this cost. Um, like one point five million. Oh my goodness! But I like it. But yeah, Chris. I mean, yeah. So. I mean, there is definitely a bang for your buck there. And you look like a fortune teller doing this when you did it, I guess, 2019, 2018, somewhere in there, right before COVID. Then COVID hits and your PLTW labs and all of those labs that are, are leveraging those high-end Adobe Suite, uh, CAD, all of that stuff are able to work from home remotely. I, you look like a genius. Um during during that time that that's absolutely fantastic and one thing to consider with that cost is that's for five years like that's all the maintenance all the licensing like taken care of and really from what it's actually pretty close to what we used to spend for a three-year machine cycle okay so really that's what i was gonna say yeah, so really I, for I, us it's not you know that crazy because i mean our high schools will have six labs of these types of machines each yeah, right so you know in that scale it it was really kind of break e we broke even sure on the cost but i don't but, i don't know if i buy broke even but i bet it's pretty good <laughs> but but even even if you even if it was uh even if you spent more and i and i would argue up to 25 percent more the ability to be able to do that from any device anywhere yeah. out outweighs that additional cost. I, to me, that that's a value add that is massive. Like, yeah, you you can't you can't judge that value added feature there. I think that's fantastic. Are the kids using Chromebooks, and then they're getting into what that connects to that? Like, what's the app or whatever? So it's it's a VMware product called Horizon. Okay. Um, so that there's just an app on the Chromebook. They launch it, 
And they can also do it on an HTML side. They'll just go to a site and log in okay. that way. But okay. there's better features and kind of some other stuff that makes it diff- work differently. But yeah, they just launched. So they go in a classroom and set up their Chromebook and go connect to their VDI. Some of the classrooms have like bigger screens, you know, for like design and stuff. Sure, so sure. Can, they'll hook up the Chromebook to it. But yeah, that's that's awesome. And and I'm gonna give you a all the credit for this idea, Julian. I'm not going to give your boss any credit for this because I'm sure he had nothing to do with it. Um, so kudos to you on doing this. And and like I said, you look like a genius and a fortune teller doing it when you did right before COVID. Um, because that's fan. We were we were kind of stuck. We have, we have a PLTW lab and a couple courses with that that deal with Adobe, and and we were kind of stuck. And when I was hearing right. about what you guys did, I. I was super jealous. I was looking at stuff. Um, AWS can do something similar, but boy, that gets expensive really quick. Um, so yeah, I I was super jealous of you guys. Super jealous of you guys. Um, what other cool stuff do you have coming down the pipe, Julian? Um, we recently finished. Uh, finally, adding a second. Uh, we added a second ISP connection. Um, but we did a we changed our main ISP last summer. Um, we actually had both connections this whole time. It just took that long to coordinate everything between two ISP providers. And I know you guys have talked about it before how hard it is to deal with ISPs. But when you're doing, um, I, we had to do, and I think Josh, I talked to you about that before because we shared a yeah. provider. Yeah. Um, we actually had to do BJP routing, and that introduces like a whole. Oh wow. Thing. Um, but now once we finally have it put in, it, it's pretty cool. Like it, it was a pain to get it all done, but now we, you know, we have two providers. If we fail over to another one, we advertise the IP address. So our range doesn't change. Wow. So, so nothing needs to be VIP. It just fails over and goes out the other route. So that's, that's kind of a nice thing. Wait, um, I, I would say that's kind of next level thing because the, the school districts that I talk to, that have that redundant connection, you know, say you have one coming in from Spectrum and one coming in from AT&T, you have, you have two sets of IP ranges, you know, your public IPs from those two different providers. And if you fail over or you roll over to one, your, your external IP is changing. Um, but you guys are doing it BGP. So you're, you're advertising the same WAN address or the same public IP address, regardless of the, carrier that you're riding on that that's uh i would say that is absolutely next that's more kudos man yeah and i i give you the kudos again not your boss um because i'm sure he had nothing to do with it you 100 percent, you julian oh thanks (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna have a text from your boss before this is over i'm sure so uh what what else what else is going on so the recent project um which we've been working on is actually building a dr site um, so that's something we've been really working on. And as, as a whole data center project is building redundancy, right? Failovers. And um, one thing, you know, we've been really working on and what concerns us is if our data center goes out, whatever, you know, tornadoes and stuff, it's not that we've had that happen recently. So it's not like crazy just think that doesn't right. happen. Right. Um, so we've been kind of wondering how do we get data offsite and actually um, be able to spin it up, right? That's the big problem with like, you know, yeah, you can get data offsite anywhere. 
like, I can get the data offsite, but then what do you do with that data when right. you need it? Right. And um, so we've been, we got a co-location. So in not a data center where we share space, we got one cabinet and we moved some, we used some old equipment actually that we had from our old production um, and reusing it and working on building at the R site right now. That's um, so cool. Got, so I guess critical, critical servers like SIS, your financials, um, there'll be, I, so how would that work? Would you have like a, a hot backup going there? And then if something happened to your primary site, you'd be able to, to spin those backups up there, or would it be a live sync via SAN, um, you know, like a SAN to SAN replication to where if something happened at your primary site, you could spin up that hot, the secondary SAN at the DR site quickly, or is it a, is it like a Veeam backup restore kind of thing at the, at the, second site oh it's technically a hot so it's taking it's sending snapshots um across so then you could if the one is down you spin it up over there um just spins it off the snapshot and then takes over and it will do like automatic testing you know we'll test to make sure it can spin it up and um send us recording and stuff like that so pretty excited for we're not all the way done yet but we're getting there so no that's awesome that that's really again next level stuff that you find in you know fortune 500 type companies not a k12 school district sure definitely not my k12 school district it's not something that that we could afford chris probably couldn't afford it either but it's still do tapes i put them in a backpack every day do you really i didn't know you oh no I'm, well, you know, tape backups are making a comeback, man. I, I, there's nothing wrong with tape backups right now. There was something to be said. When I used to have to move a tape and I did have a backpack, I called my tape backup, my tape backpack. Um, I mean, I felt good about it. They were, they were I was wearing them. Like, sure. Like, I know that I have. Now, you would go to restore from the tape and it wasn't necessarily. Yeah, necessarily you're rolling the dice on that one, man. Yeah. Several Can't times. Can't hack it though, right? No, <laughs> you're right, Julian. You're absolutely right. And, and we have a we have a cohort here in Missouri and in, in our rough area between the three of us. Um, he's got a taper library, and and that's his air gu- air gapped backup. Is he's backing up to tape every night, which makes complete sense. Um, so, I, I, like I said, tapes kind of made a little comeback here in the last couple of years for that air gapness or the you know what do they call it immutable backups. Uh, now that I, I know Veeam is is rolling in some immutable immutable backup copies, um, but yeah, tape tape backup is not going away. I don't think we should sell tape backpacks. K twelve Tech Talk tape backpacks. Oh my goodness, that's a tongue twister. Um, so if if you're listening out there and you are an Aruba networking or Aruba wireless customer, I think it'd behoove you to contact um, your Aruba salespeople and just see what the scope or see what the landscape um, and just see what's going on with Aruba. They've made some pretty interesting uh, announcements in the last couple days. Just see what's going on. They've got a certification from the federal government recently on some of their, their cloud manageability stuff. Uh, so I think it would, it would behoove you, I mean, well, shoot, we're already past the 470 
window, right? I think the 22nd was the last day that you could mm-hmm. issue a uh, 470. So we're going to 20 some odd days from now, we're going to be coming up on the 471 deadline. And then we should start seeing FCDLs roll. So we should start seeing a bunch of new equipment roll out. I'm super excited for that. Um, you guys have any other comments on that? I'm a happy Aruba customer. So you are? Well, there you go. Yeah, Aruba's Aruba. We got all three of us are Aruba customers. Hello. How's that? Yeah. Chris Illingsworth need, needs to give us a, a little cut here. Something. Yeah. So yeah, if if uh, I just take my access points. Yeah, that too. I, I would I would take my access points as well. Um so yeah, Aruba wireless or physical networking, they are, are one of the leaders in the, the Gartner quadrant. They are always in that upper right quadrant. So if you're looking for some replacement wireless gear or replacement physical gear, give Aruba a a look. I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Um, Chris, do we want to tease what might be coming next week? We can awkwardly pause. <laughs> and then we can say we have the F12 does not hacking t-shirt available. There you in go. Our store. There you go. That might be a clue, I guess. It could be a clue. Might be a clue. So yeah, um, crit, that'll I be linked this, in. The- let's, let's leave it at that. All right. Yeah, so uh, F12. We'll leave, we'll leave that as a hint for next week's episode. A glimmer of, of hope. Hopefully for next week's episode. We're, we we got to work out some, uh, I guess, legal things. I don't I don't know how you'd put this. This is kind of new new ground for us. And and I've had a couple Manhattans. So, uh, um, no, it's been a good week. Week 62, another snow day week. I think this is the third week in a row, right, that we've had snow days when we recorded. Yep. Um, it's pretty wild. Um, so, Julian, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. I think uh, most of our listeners will be super jealous of your super awesome VDI setup that you have. I know I am still very jealous of that um, because, like I said, we could have we could have used it. Uh, but we really appreciate you spending some time with us tonight and telling us about your district and what you guys see. And I, I, again, you know, I think it's been a common thread with all of these folks that we've talked to, no matter the size of the district, Julian, you're 17,000 students. I'm, you know, 3,300 students. Chris is about half that size. Um, We see the same problems on a day-to-day basis. Uh, It might be that our budgets are bigger. You know, Julian's budget is quite a bit bigger than Chris and I's budget, but we do, we do see the same issues, equity issues, technology issues. You know, Julie and I right now are, are both demoing web filters. So, you know, it's the problems that we see in the in the processes that we go through are not uh, dissimilar at all. I think that's an interesting thread across K-12. Um, so, Chris, do you have any, any final thoughts for episode 62? Julian's a great guy. He's a longtime presenter at Midwest Tech Talk. Um, I think he's going to present some in July as well. Uh, but, Julian, thank you again for coming on the pod with us tonight. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Yes, thanks for letting me hang out with you guys tonight. It was fun. Yeah, appreciate no problem. Uh, and you get to stare at Chris's awesome hair. Um so, Chris, do you want to talk about Midwest Tech Talk and the Security Deadhead. security Symposium coming up in March? Oh, sure. MidwestTechTalk.com. 
Um, we had the security symposium coming up on March 11th. You can still sign up for that. Uh, that's a one-day event in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, and then in July, and Julian will be there, will be Midwest Tech Talk 2022. That's at Lake of the Ozarks. Lake of the Ozarks? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's in July, July, like, I don't know, 18th. Middle 19th, of the month. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, come hang out with us there as well. K-12 Tech Talk podcast will be presenting at the security symposium as well. Uh, and we'll be at Midwest Tech Talk too, but come meet us, come meet Julian. And you could probably meet the former employee that we shall not name. I'm, he'll, I'm sure he'll be there. Hobbit, old, old Hobbit foot. Yep. He'll be in the halls. He doesn't go to classes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he just hangs out to socialize. So uh, if you enjoy this podcast, give us a shout out on Twitter, K12 Tech Talk Pod. Uh, shoot us an email, K12 Tech Talk at gmail.com. Share us with your friends, with the school districts around you. Uh, Canada's coming in hot again this month. California, North Carolina. We've had a bunch of listens from, from your states recently. Uh, so yeah, share us with your 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 meeting groups your pd groups let them know that we have some i think decent content i don't know about you guys um we you know we kind of go off topic at times we're a little uncouth at times a little silly uh but i think we we talk about pretty valid content or valid topics what that lady on twitter say scrappy scrappy she called us scrappy yeah we didn't talk about that did we she was I didn't know if I was offended or if I liked it. I think no, I I, I think it. that was a positive thing. Yeah, we I tweeted her back and asked her. I said something like, "I assume this is a good thing," uh, but yeah, we're, we were called Scrappy, a Scrappy podcast. Uh, share it with your friends. I'll take it. Yeah, I, I'll take that all day long. <laughs> Better than a horrible podcast, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, share us. That's that's the only way. Give our by by all means. Give our sponsors. <laughs> Some love, Pondurance. Tell them you heard about us on K. Heard about them on K twelve Tech Talk, uh, Provision Data Solutions. If you're in Missouri or, or even shoot, I'll say Western Illinois. I'll make Ryan go to Western Illinois um, and Aruba Networks. And who else we got? Somethingcool.com. Jeremy. Jeremy at Somethingcool.com. A proud Ring Central provider. And provider of other things, uh, from from hardware to software to consulting. So give our sponsors a shout out. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here because it takes a lot to get me in the room. Um, beyond that, that was episode that was episode sixty two. Uh, I'm telling you, something special, very very special, could be coming for episode sixty three. It's on the horizon. Thanks for listening.